White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 627. That's a lot of podcasts. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. All right, we are back. It is the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Andy, I have to close my eyes to make sure I get all the words right on that and don't get distracted. The Babylon, the what? <laughs> See, there we go. It is the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico, as always, and I am, as always, joined by my co-host, Andy Fix. How are you doing over there, Andy? I am doing fantastic, Van. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm so good. I was just saying before we got started, I, I cooked a fine meal tonight. And I watched the final episode of Moon Knight, and I am riding high. I'm feeling good. And you and I are about to see each other in person for the first time in a long time. We're both going to be at the Windy City Pulp and Paperback Convention uh, coming up this coming weekend. Yeah, it's it's been a couple years since we were both at the same show. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, and it should be a fun week. It's, uh, Windy City weekend is my most favorite weekend of the year. I mean, it's just it's all, I see good friends. I hang out. We talk shop. We talk pulp. And it, it's always a good time. It really is, yeah. So if any of you out there are hearing this before the weekend, and it, eh, I'm sure our patrons will. I'm not sure that you know, the regular audience will already have had, will already be coming gone by the time the regular audience hears it. But if any of you patrons here during the Chicago area, come by. Uh, it's the uh, the Weston Lombard in Lombard, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. And uh, say hello, Andy and I will be there. And uh, we're even going to attempt... Oh, wouldn't it be cool if one of our patrons or more of them dropped by and, and joined in our Babylon 5 card game? That would be that would be awesome. That would be so much fun. I have put together five pretty basic decks. Nothing fancy. Nothing. Well, I put some optional components in there if we want to try something a little fancy. But otherwise, I made a human deck, a Narn deck, a Centauri deck, and a Minbari deck, and then I think another centauri because i have more centauri stuff i always used to play centauri when we would when i would play in tournaments and stuff and so i put i've got five decks i've got them all set up in little boxes i got all my parts together in a box i'm ready to throw it in my backpack and i'll have it ready for us whenever we get a chance to play and um the thing i discovered i wasn't even going to do a minbari deck because in terms of the card game this is the babylon 5 collectible card game for those that know what we're talking about in terms of the card game, I was never that interested in doing the Minbari. I was always the Centauri. Eh, maybe I'd be the you know the humans. The Narns always seem kind of predictable, but though they're not, they're actually kind of fun. I played them more later, but but uh, I put together a Minbari deck just in case one of us wanted a Minbari deck this time, and it's pretty cool. I gotta tell you, the Minbari deck is not bad. So <laughs> we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, all right. So the big nice. news now. Can, uh, oh, go ahead. To do a, uh, um, is it possible to do a psych? Is it possible to do a psychor deck? 
Yes, one of the one of the factions possible. Yeah, one of I think we're having a little lag here for a sudden. Just a just a brief thing. Um, Yeah, one of the expansion decks that came out a bit later is Psychor, and like your starting ambassador is Bester, and you have a bunch of Psychor stuff, and there's Psychor marks you can gain and stuff like that. if we play again, <laughs> maybe I'll bring that, but I don't have one ready. And I never played it, so I really don't even understand it, so I wouldn't really know how to build one. But like in later days in the game, they did a Crusade set, they did a Psychor set, and they did a non-aligned worlds set. Gotcha. So, yeah, so those were pretty cool because they had like, you know, the Vree and the, uh, the Drazi and all those guys in it. Um, I always loved the Crusade set because it had a bunch of tech- techno mages and it had all the crew of the Cru- of the Excalibur and stuff and it had like a bunch of stuff Galen could do. So that was really cool, like fireball, you know, and different spells, techno spells he can do. So I always, I, at, the, at the very end of the game, Crusade had just come out and I used to play that one a lot, but it's, it's a lot more complicated. It, it's like it has a whole other set of rules that go with it. So for, for your first attempt, I'm just bringing some basic things so you can kind of get a sense of if you even like the game. Much appreciated. All right. So our only real announcement, at least for me, is that we decided after last week's episode, or maybe going into last week's episode, that we, th- I, I think it's not so much the one we're doing tonight, but I think the next one, Severed Dreams, is just too much to try to share the stage with another episode on our podcast. So we decided to divide these right. two into two separate episodes. So tonight we're only going to cover um, 310, Point of No Return. And on our next podcast episode, we are only going to cover 310, Severed Dreams, and oh man. Um, so, so um, just for clarification, mm-hmm. tonight's just for clarification, tonight's episode is three oh nine. It covers three oh nine. That's correct. Point of no return. That is correct. The okay, episode. So I was I was confused. Oh my bad. Yeah, I always get those numbers confused. I always want to say that Severed Dreams is three eleven, but it's because that would be the dead center of the entire series. But no, it's three. It's three oh nine and three ten right. tonight. And next time, and um. This is the episode for which the entire season was named. So you know this is a big, bang, important, important episode. Though I have some things to say about that when we get going here. So do you have any announcements before we get going? I just thought it was very interesting. I've noticed uh, much discussion on the the, uh, social media, Babylon 5 related social media, about how um, Babylon, Babylon 5 reboot is dead and gone (laughs) <laughs> because of the the shakedown going on at uh, at Warner Brothers and their their merger discovery and just the the all the shows that they're killing and all the the budgets that they're cutting and all that stuff. And I just wanted to point out that there is a reason why they moved the the Babylon Five to next year. People knew that this was coming. The higher ups at Warner's or at CW knew that this bloodbath was coming, and they protected the Babylon Five reboot by passing on it this season and saying, we'll pick it up again next season and, right. and, and look at it then. So this isn't the, the, the bloodbath that's going on at Warner's and discovery right now does not, is not a, a, a foreboding any sort of doom for the Babylon five reboot is uh, be reassured that this was seen coming and they protected the Babylon five reboot. So we still have a very good chance of seeing that uh, next season. That's right. I think that there are just people out there, who like to be very negative, and then when something doesn't work out, they can say, see, I told you not to be happy. 
you know, but um, <laughs> but we're optimistic and we feel like, you know, there's a very good chance it could work out. It is true that almost everything Babylon 5 since the original series has not worked out one way or another, but <laughs> I'm not giving up. Same, same. I'm, I'm not giving up either. And I'm shocked, shocked that you say that there's so much negativity on the internet. That's, that's certainly not true. <laughs> Why would I think of that today? I don't know. All right, so let's get into 309 Point of No Return. And this may be a relatively short show because we're only doing one episode, but we'll see. It also means we'll have plenty of time to talk about the next one uh, on, on uh, 310. But we'll see how it goes. I think since we're only going to do one we should flip a coin as to who does the summary. <laughs> what do you think? I, I am all for that. Do you have a coin handy? Because I, I have. I actually have my handy-dandy Avengers Priority Identicard <laughs> signed by Henry Peter Gyrick and uh, William Clinton, United States President. There it is. That thing, that thing is ancient. I remember when the comic shops gave that out back in the 90s. Oh, I've had it that is... ever since. Cause oh, wow. One of, one of our members of our Avengers group that's been together for 28 years now on the internet, we all got together right when the internet was created, basically. Um, one, one, of them, one of our members got this, and he's like, man, I'm going out and picking up chicks tonight. <laughs> I'm going to make Andy spill, spill his drink all over the computer. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> But that just struck me as so funny. He's like, yeah, I'm going to pick up chicks with this thing. Hey, baby, have you ever dated an Avenger? You know what's so funny is is 30 years ago, that wouldn't have worked. But doing that today, that might work. It might work. It might. Yeah, you're right. You're right. All right. I love this guy, William Clinton signature. All right. I'm going to say you have the slick side and I have the rough side. And here we go. Slick side. You get to do it. Congratulations. All right. So in this episode, Point of No Return, we deal with the aftermath, the immediate aftermath of the uh, president's declaration of martial law on all the uh, on Earth and all of its colonies. Yep. And uh, one of the the biggest thing for Babylon 5, which has not been declared martial law yet, the biggest thing is that Nightwatch is taking over security by the order of the political office has Mm. taken over uh, security. Um, thus relieving uh, uh, Garibaldi from his job. And anybody who doesn't want to join Nightwatch is also leaving their job. In the meantime, uh, Londa Molari has managed to get the, uh, the former emperor's widow to come to Babylon 5 because she is a prophetess, and he wants her to see his future. Yeah. And who, by chance, happens to play that widow? That would be uh, Major Barrett Roddenberry. Yes. I got a little a little something to say about that. So yes, yes, it was it was so cool to see her. Yes, very good. Yes. So yeah, I have a few things to say too. I think we probably have a lot to say about that. So this is production number three hundred nine, original air week, February twenty sixth, nineteen ninety six. Man. They were blowing the doors off in February, in early 1996 with this stuff. I don't remember exactly. I remember where I was at the end of, um, at, at this point in the next season, but I don't remember. I guess I was at Auburn in graduate school watching it with my roommate on TV, and, uh, and it was just blowing my mind. Uh, written by JMS, of course, directed by Jim Johnston. I think Jim Johnston does not get the credit that he possibly deserves in the pantheon of the great Babylon 5 episode directors because we haven't really talked about him. 
but he does do a few big ones. So salute to Jim Johnston. Good job. I think he did a good job with this one. And Agreed. Notable guest stars, as Andy said, we have Major Barrett, Roddenberry as Lady Morella. And I, was, I always forget this is the Lady Morella episode. I think of this as the Night Watch episode and kind of forget that that she's... Um, that, that it's that, that whole that happens a lot, right? We've talked about that. Then a lot. There's a lot of episodes that you remember for one thing, but when you're watching, you're like, oh, it's that episode. It's got that thing going on in it. You know, that's a whole other right. thing. So I always forget right. that. Um, and, and it's kind of important. An important, you know, part that she plays. I mean, she drops a, a big, oh, yeah. a big deal there. So <laughs> she, it's she, kind of kind of should stick out. Yes, she does. Um, Marshall Teague returns as the great Talon. God, he's so cool. And the Clint Eastwood of Narns. And <laughs> and Vaughn Armstrong as Night Watch security guard number one. I can't believe he runs his entire mini story arc and we never have his name. But I think that in some ways that's kind of... Uh, maybe it was intentional on JMS's part that it doesn't have to be some specific person that anybody could fall sway to this, you know? think exactly exactly I, I i think that was very intentional on jms's part well that actor previously played someone called captain chorus on star trek the next generation but i haven't seen every episode of tng so i don't remember him offhand but i he is one of those guys that seems like he's been on a lot of he he has a tv look and a tv voice and a tv personality kind of in the way that michael o'hare did right you know Yep, he kind of has that I ought to be on TV being some big, important guy kind of a personality and voice. <laughs> right. And he does. You know, the other thing, though, I want to point out about this, I want to get your opinion. I almost feel like the Night Watch art kind of it, it, it kind of came and went faster than I would have thought. Didn't it seem like a plot that would kind of drag out longer than just like bang, bang, and that's it? Right. Um, yeah. But they ser- it, they served its purpose to the story because after martial law is declared and and Babylon Five is severed from Earth, um, then yeah, they're they're kind of out of the picture. I mean, that that the, the they are an arm of the political office, and poli- political office no longer holds any sway in Babylon Five. So, it they they had to go. Yeah, they had to go. I guess what I would have liked is a little more of them leading up to this. It felt like there were like three or four episodes this whole season, maybe a little bit of last season where they were mentioned, you know, like Zach's like, yeah, 50 credits a week, chief, I might as well join, who cares? You know, they're mentioned a couple of times. And then there's the there's the Julie Masanti episode, and, and then there's the last two. And it, it, right. I just, yeah. I guess, just maybe one more where they did something bad so that we would dislike them even more, I don't know. I, I seem to remember them being more important or playing playing a larger role than, than what they actually did. Yeah. I, they seem to have a larger presence in my memory. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I was just kind of surprised. I'm like, well, that's. And I mean, they're not entirely gone. Not again. Not to get any spoilers, but they can still pop up as like you know, insurgents and stuff, saboteurs and stuff right. like that. So we haven't necessarily gotten rid of them, but we've gotten rid of them in an official sense in terms of being the security on the station. And so yeah, that's right. Exactly. <sighs> All right, so let's get into some random factoids and notes. What have you got for me here tonight on our random factoids and notes? Let me see. I've got uh, the couch scene right there at the very end with Veer and Londo. (laughs) In the script, it just said that uh, Veer and Londo sit on the couch and chat nervously. 
So that was <laughs> all improvised. Wow. Which I thought was quite funny. Yeah. Wow. The director sat him on both sides. Of, yeah, the director saw, sat him on both sides of the couch and just said, have fun, guys. And uh, um, Peter Jurassic said, I could have sat with Stephen first and for two hours and just chatted back and forth because we were just having so much fun with it. He said a lot of the stuff got cut. We didn't see it. We, you know, the <laughs> oh, whole I'm conversation. Sh- I'm they sure. Were, they were having a ball together. <laughs> what? what? You're not saying you don't trust me, Londo. I made your favorite. It's Spoo. <laughs> I'm not hungry. I'll order in. <laughs> that was. I'll order in. <laughs> that was such a great scene. And the only other thing I have is um, Lady Morella. Now, the the part of Lady Morella was written specifically for. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 oh, Major what's her Barrett. name? Barrett. Yeah, Major Barrett. Yeah, Ma- yeah, Major Barrett. Um, because she had reached out to JMS at a uh, at a science fiction convention and said she wanted to be on the show kind of like a bridge between the two series because she didn't like the the a lot of the the segments of the fandom that were you know harping at each other so she said she wanted to be on the show kind of to put her money where her mouth was you know the the unified science fandom mm-hmm. and so a part was written specifically for her and um uh jms said specifically the the relationship between uh, Lady Morella and the Emperor was obliquely referencing the relationship of Maj- that Major Barrett was playing with Roddenberry being the, the the dead Emperor that was speaking through her. So it was kind of making Major Barrett be the the person that was speaking for Roddenberry to say, "Hey, let's all just get together and be one fandom." That's I awesome. Like kind of cool the way he worked that in there. Yes. No, that's absolutely awesome. That's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, uh, a few things I had, and I totally agree. I, I, did, I did have that, but I'm glad that you went through that because it's pretty much what I was going to say. Um, Londo is destined cool. to become emperor. The part of That part of his future cannot be avoided, according to Lady Morella. Veer is also destined to become emperor. And then I love how she tells them one of you will become emperor after the other. Um, what is it? Um, they, she says it differently. Uh, when the other is dead. And so later Londo quotes her and says, right. one of you will be emperor after the other one dies. <laughs> and I like how he put it better because he has his, <laughs> he just sounds good saying that. Um, but it's not clear which at the time. Londo has already passed up two chances to avoid the destiny he fears awaits him. There will be three more chances. He must save the eye that does not see, and we don't know if that relates to the eye, that little thing that the, that the you know, from back in season one, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, from the coming I've, of shadows. I've got, I've got, I've got thoughts on this for our spoilers. Okay, um, he must not kill the one who is already dead. I think we know who that is, but we'll get to that in spoiler space. And failing those, he must not. He must surrender himself to his greatest fear, knowing that it will destroy him. And I think we know what that one is too. So, all right, we can talk about that in the spoiler space. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, we've seen that Jakar appears in the future with only one eye. And I wonder if and this is not a spoiler because we've seen this. We've seen that jewel called the eye, that's an artifact of the Centauri, and we've seen Jakar with one eye. And so I'm like, my question is, did JMS name that artifact the eye on purpose to make this more confusing? I don't know. Possibly. I asked the question. I don't know. Um, 
Many of the Night Watch members in this episode were production staff members, including the production secretary and assistant director. They just stuck them in gray uniforms and put them out there. That's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, I'm, I was a little disappointed that we didn't see Lou. This would have been a, a great oh. way to give, give Lou a send-off. Oh, Lou. Poor Lou. We're gonna When we finally get to the books, Andy, we'll have to tell them what happened to Lou, and I'm not looking forward right. to that. I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> um, oh, I do have the press release that they put out about Major Barrett being on the show, and I'm just going to read a couple of lines from it. Um, when she accepted, the script was delivered to her hotel room the next morning. Six weeks later, we shot the show, said JMS. Uh, or she said, it was just that simple, just that easy. Um, she said, it's the most incredible thing I've ever seen. This is a big, important drama, which is playing out over a period of five years. And Joe knows exactly where the story is going to go and how it's going to get there. That's pretty cool that even, even Major Barrett understood that this is a big show with a big story that's going somewhere. Right. That's absolutely. So cool. um, I will note that, uh, that neither Peter Jurassic nor, uh, Stephen first knew when they were reading the script that they would both become emperor that surprised both of them oh really yeah. i didn't know that interesting very good we're both we're learning stuff that's cool um so apparently the original name of this season was i am become death the destroyer of worlds which is a line from the bhagavad gita which was famously quoted by oppenheimer when he set off the first atomic bomb at los alamos during world war 2 um, right. that's kind of a long, unwieldy title though. It's also kind of, right. e kind of weirdly specific. And so JMS said, it's important for the season title to accurately reflect the events of the season. As I've watched more and more of season three being filmed, it becomes increasingly clear that I am become death. The destroyer of worlds isn't as apt emotionally for what's going on. The single most emblematic title and single episode for the whole season, really, is Point of No Return, because on every level, that's what happens this season, to which I say amen, and so I think that was a good choice. I, I agree 100%. This is the pivot point, not just for this season, but for the entire series. Yes. I mean, because there is no going back. No. Once you sever your ties with Earth, I mean, it, it changes everything. So, yeah, this, this was a perfect name for the series, or yeah, for the, the season. The season. I agree. A um, couple other things. JMS was asked about why the 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 middle trilogy here are three separate episodes and not like part one, part two, part three. And he said, we knew that at some juncture these three episodes would be split, so numbering them as parts one, two, and three would be awkward. And distribution hates having to market multi-parters for reasons of their own, so we did them as three episodes. Eh, makes sense. Yeah. Um, he was asked, is the fact that Haig was on the Alexander a reference to Alexander Haig? I wondered that, too. Okay. For those that don't know, Alexander Haig was involved in the Nixon White House and in the Reagan White House. He was Secretary of State for Reagan for five minutes, but he was also uh, a big shot in the Nixon White House. And, he was very, uh, very briefly president of the United States, according to him. According to him, yeah. <laughs> when Reagan was shot, he was running around saying, "I'm in charge here. I'm in charge here." Until somebody waved the Constitution at him and said, "No, you're actually, you're actually like number five. You're not in charge at all." So no. Um, and then lastly, he explained how the Parliament works. 
there's not a lower house in the Earth Alliance in the sense that each nation state has its own various houses and its own leader, but that leader is also part of the Earth Alliance Senate. So those senators might actually be leaders of their countries, interestingly. I never thought of that. Usually yeah. legislators are separate from executives, so I right. guess except in Britain. But anyway, uh, <laughs> one per nation state. Each nation state has its own constitution but must not contravene the larger principles of the Earth Alliance Constitution. So there is your political science lesson for tonight. But basically, you know, as a political science professor, I get aggravated on a lot of these shows that just kind of make up their own government systems. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. But this kind of makes sense except for the idea of members. Of, I would think they'd elect members of the Senate separate from their country's own executive because you, it's kind of hard to do both jobs. It's not like, you know, it's not like the prime minister of, or the president of France is the senator of the European Union. They have somebody separately right. elected for that job. So anyway. Right. And every time I see EA, because he keeps calling it EA in here in capital letters, every time I see EA, I immediately think, it's in the game. <laughs> I can't, every time I see EA, I'm like, EA Sports, it's in the game. So, All right, you ready to get into it? Let's, let's talk about some categories here for this episode. I think we got a lot to talk about. High point of the episode, and that's a tough, that's, right off the bat, that's a tough call. Right, that is. And there was a lot of high points in this one, but for me, it was uh, Jakar's moment to shine. Um, the, the, the whole thing with, with him uh, uh, discussing with Talon and, the <laughs> and his coming up with the, the idea for the security and then him getting accepted into the, uh, the um, conspiracy of light. I, I think that was all just super cool. That was, it was neat to see this was a pivotal point in, in Jakar's character arc, and it is... Uh, one of my favorite character arcs and one of my favorite characters. So it was cool to see. Shakar was so good in this episode. This and we was... got to hear him sing. Oh God. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> about that. I kind of wanted to forget about it. It's funny for an episode that was so centered on problems that the humans were having with each other. We got a lot of Londo and Jakar in this episode. Yep. No Delenn. Right. No Kosh. Delenn will come back in next episode. Yeah. Delenn's coming. She's busy right yeah. now. Yeah. She's got stuff of her own. She has her own problems to deal with. Right. It does surprise me how many episodes don't have Delenn, though. I would have thought she was in almost every episode, but there's there's whole stretches of seasons that she's not in. It's really strange. Right. Um, okay, I'm going to say the high point, and again, there's so many to choose from, and yours is absolutely valid. My high point of the episode was just seeing the freaking Nightwatch guys get trapped by Zack, and then he <laughs> does an Indiana Jones and dives under the door to get out. I mean... There, there, there's a lot of great moments in this episode, but come on. That's the moment. That's the big moment of the episode. It's got to be. Yeah. It, it's a good character moment because Zach, you know, <laughs> chooses the right side. But it's also a cool character moment because, like you said, he does it. And he didn't have to do that. I mean, he could have <laughs> slowly backed towards the door and then just kind of snuck out. But, no, he had to make the dramatic exit and the, the tuck and roll and the whole nine yards. It, it was pretty awesome. Um. Yeah. That, you did the right thing, Zach. Yeah, everybody keeps telling me that. <laughs> but this time, I think I really did. <laughs> oh man, you know, I here's here, this reminds me of something I wanted to ask you about. It's one thing to watch a show like this, and we can absolutely identify with the characters that we like and respect and appreciate and enjoy, right? But I often, when I'm watching this yep. show, and and Babylon Five does this way more than any other show like this I've ever watched. Babylon Five occasionally makes me ask. Would I be able to do what these people are doing? 
And if, if you were on that station and you were part of that military or part of that security team, and like the captain said, all right, we're going to arrest the entire security team in contradiction of the president's orders. And I mean, that's your livelihood. I, I mean, right. I'd like to think that moral values and the sense of right and wrong would prevail, but I have to be honest here and say, well, I don't have to be, but I'm going to be anyway. I could lie. <laughs> I think I have to be honest, but I will be honest here and say I would have wrestled with it for a minute. And I think Zach does too. I mean, I think that's the thing about Zach is that, you know, well, I'll put it to you this way. I've never been a huge fan of the characters in shows that we're supposed to identify with, right? There's always the characters that are more normal, quote unquote, and we're supposed to identify with them. They're like our window into looking at these larger than life characters. I've never been like that. I've always focused on the big larger than life characters, right? I, I wasn't interested in Wesley Crusher. I was interested in Riker and Picard and, and Troy and those people. I wasn't interested in, you know, Wendy and Marvin, I was interested in the Super Friends. I wasn't interested in Robin, I was interested in Batman, in terms of like focusing on the character, you know what I mean? I've never felt yep. like I needed an entryway character. Um, and so I've never been a huge fan of Zack, but this episode made me appreciate what he does on the show more, because I realized that he wrestles just like you and I would probably with, do I do what is morally right here? And am I sure that that's that's the thing is, what if Sheridan was crazy, and right? and what if Sheridan was leading them all to a firing squad? How do you you know you yep. don't know for sure? It, that is reflected very effectively in Corwin's response to to everything. Yeah, he's like, sir, what did we do wrong? You yeah, know, he he was floored. He didn't what to and he is you know from what we've seen a good guy. But mm -hmm. man, he is lost. He doesn't know what to do. He just got promoted, you know, in the Earth Force. His career is in front of him. He's all excited about that. Yep. And now this happens, and he's—I mean—he's kind of stuck on Babylon. But he didn't ask to be put on Babylon Five and following these crazy people. He got stuck there, and now he's like, "Crap! Now what do I do?" Hundred percent. That's exactly right. And yeah, so, and we've got—you know—Marcus is a little more heroic, obviously, but he still gives you a little bit of that more street-level view. So with Corwin and Zach. And Marcus, we've gone from one street-level person with our old friend Keffer to three. And this season really is showing how important it is to kind of get their perspective. If Keffer was still around, it would be interesting to see what the pilots were thinking. When, he, when Sheridan tells the pilots to go out and guard the station from their own Navy, yeah, from the Earth Force, yeah. Keffer, they probably... In other, in other words, if Keffer was still around, there would have been at least one scene where pilots come up to him and say, uh, Lieutenant or whatever, you know, or, what are we doing here? And he'd be like, well, we got to do what the captain says, man, you know, and trust that he knows what he's doing and everything. And it, it, it would have been an interesting scene, I think. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, because um, yeah, if you didn't have that street-level view, it would just be the godlike characters, Sheridan and Ivanova and, and Garibaldi and Franklin, and we know that what they're doing has to be right because they're the heroes. But it's it's fun to have the perspective of people that are not in that in, in that are in that environment and don't know what we know that it's a TV show. You know what I mean? And that they're right. Right. It it adds a, a texture of reality to the yes. goings on for sure. There it is. Good play. Good point. All right. What was your low point of this episode? If you could find one. Uh, my low point again. This is an emotional low point because I've given up on the uh, the production <laughs> low points. 
I hear you. But in this one, it was Londo's. He was almost pleading with mm. with. Uh, he's still looking for a way to redeem himself, mm. and, and it, it's it's just heartbreaking to see that even he realizes how how badly he screwed up, and he's pleading with with uh, the the prophetess to to tell him what he's doing is the right thing, or if not. Uh, what what does he need to do? I mean, it, it was it was hard to watch. No, I agree. That's, my, that's very true. Yeah, my heart ached for him for sure, and oh, yeah. a lot of that has to do with Peter Jurassic's delivery. But I mean, we could do a whole a whole episode just on Peter Jurassic's acting. So, and I was going to ask you, he got to do a lot of scenes with Major Barrett. I wonder how Peter. I should have asked him this. I never thought about it. I wonder how Peter felt about doing these scenes with Major Barrett, who's kind of legendary by that point. You know, that had to be pretty he, cool. I read uh, a little interview with him about just that, and he hmm. thought that it was fantastic. Hmm. He said it is so hard for somebody to come in and, and be like the, the the prophetess, you know, the the person who gives these these predictions and, and prophecies and stuff like that, because they come across as so otherworldly and and, hmm. and spacey, you know. But she did it very. She walked a very fine line between you know the the supernatural and the the, the down to earth. And he thought that she did a fantastic job with it. You raised the other point I wanted to talk to you about briefly. Her performance. Now, I'm not bringing it up as a low point. Not at all. But, and and what is my low point? I, I think one of the lines she had to give was my low point just because it was kind of in Congress where he says, Lady Morella, the tour is over here. And she says, yes, it is. And then walks the other way. I didn't understand that. I don't blame her. I blame JMS. It was not clear in the script what he was meaning for her. To, to me, it was not clear what he was meaning for her to mean by that or say by that. I didn't get it. I took that as to, to mean, um, yeah, that's where you want to take me, but this is where yeah. the interesting stuff is happening over here. I think you're right. I just don't know that it was clear as it could have been, but I think you're right. right. Okay, so here's what I really want to talk to you about. Her performance... If it had been, if they hadn't had Major Barrett, they'd have, tell me I'm wrong. If they hadn't had Major Barrett, they'd have gone out and gotten some actress that would have done an Ori, an Orenzento, Ari Benzane. I see the future, Molare. You know what I mean? Right. Like the first, the first time that they they had a, a prophetess. From yes. Centaur on. Yeah, that's right. they absolutely would have chewed the scenery and done that ethereal, angelic, yep. like like you said he was saying, spacey kind of thing. Her performance was like Grandma shows up, right? And she's annoyed. Yeah. When La when Londo wants a psychic reading from her, it's like the kid has said, "Grandma, would you take me to the store to buy me some cookies?" And she's like. All right, Malari, I'll get you in the car and we'll go get you some cookies. I think you probably need them. That's okay, but you better pay. You know, she she plays it so so. I don't want to say down to earth in a way, right? So flat. She doesn't put any pretense into it. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying that that's interesting, and I'm saying it it's different and it gives it a different kind of power. I think because I, she I, I agree one hundred percent. She doesn't come across as some goofy, spacey, you know, thing. She comes across as like, I mean, even her accent is almost, it's almost a little country in places, which was kind of surprised me. Because I don't remember Nurse Chapel sounding like that. But she, <laughs> right. she, she plays it like Emperor Turhan's third wife has been living out in, the, out in the country, out in the farm. 
and shows up and is like, well, Malari, I'm here. What did you need? You know, yeah. and that's it was just different. I, I don't know. I, I really dug it, and I, I think, like you said, it, it gave her message that much more power um, because yeah. it wasn't it wasn't overly dramatic or or a great big buildup, a crescendo where she makes this proclamation. It was just like, oh, by the way, and that, that just it kind of hits you out of the blue. Kind of like Keffer, to kind of relate this a little bit to Keffer, when he died, it was mm-hmm. completely out of the blue and yeah. added, you know, there wasn't any big buildup or anything like that. It was like, boom, he's dead. And I think that added that had a lot more impact than if they had, you know, if he had gone out in a, this great glorious battle or something like that. So along those same lines, this had more power because it was so unexpected and, and it kind of caught you off guard. I and, think you're- and that was shown that was shown even in the scene where yeah. it was an accidental touch and yeah. it, both of them were caught off guard by it. Yep. Yep, you're right. I think not only that it's unexpected, but that it was so offhand. Yeah. I think that's part of it, too. I think that when you blow something up into a big production, sometimes it seems like you're trying to make more out of it than it is. Whereas she's so casual about it that you totally believe she has this power, and she's used to just tossing off these, you know, you will see this, you will, you know, (laughs) you will, what is it? You will, you will, uh... You will know fear, you will know pain, and you will die. Have a nice trip. She's just kind of like the, right. like, like, <laughs> like the, like, like Jakar and, uh, and, and what's her name when the, with the Fenta McCure guy. Yeah. It's right. like yeah, when, it, it's, when it's that casual, it seems more believable. Right. It, 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 if she had come in with a big production and, and got all, you know, dramatic about it, she would have come across as a charlatan or as a, yeah. a snake oil salesman. So, yeah. Bingo. It, it, yep. That's it. I think we're on to it. Um, I didn't really have a low point other than just that just interested me. So I just use that as like a little bridge to talk about that. I'm glad we did. All right. Do we have, <laughs> do we have an Orenzento area Benzane acting award for overacting award for this episode? I don't think so. I think the, uh, the night watch guy, uh, he, he kind of reined it in a little bit. You know, he didn't get too sneery or anything like that. So uh, no mush mustache twirling or anything. He was, he was pretty, uh, pretty much under control. I'm going to give it to Zach for just one line reading. I th- in right. fact in fact I thought that Zach was superb all the way through this episode. I thought he did a great job and I thought that when he acts for the most part like when he pretends with the night watch guy. Yeah. He does it. Zach does a I don't mean like the actor playing Zach, old Bobby from right. Taxi. I mean, uh, I mean, when Zach acts to fool right. the Night Watch, to, to fool security guard number one, every time he does that, and it's only a few scenes, a couple of scenes, he does it so well, except one. He's being very reluctant. He's being very reluctant. He's being very reluctant. And then the security guard guy says something. See, I wish he had a name. He says something like, um, well... We'll get him in there, and then we'll have him, or something like that. And Zach goes, right. yes, we will. And I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. Where did that come from? <laughs> you sound a little too, too, you know, kind of like you made up your mind, and they're suddenly on the night watch side. That, that was the one where I'm like, ah, he's, you know. But it may have been that he did that on purpose to kind of give a wink to the audience, you know what I mean? Like, if he'd kept yeah. acting reluctant, we wouldn't have. I don't know. I just that always bugs me. That line always stands out for me is when he suddenly sounds like Night Watch guy number two rather than Zach, you know. But other than right. that, 
And the, the the one scene where he's standing in front of the the vid screen where Sheridan is giving the uh, the proclamation for uh, martial law, <laughs> and and it's in the middle of the riot. He's just kind of standing there. You can tell he's intentionally positioned himself so everybody can see the captain behind him. And then this chair comes flying at him, and the, his his reaction is just absurd. I mean, he's like, it's... "Oh my goodness, a chair! I must duck!" And it was just like, oh. "Yeah, that's true. That is true. I that that was so egregious it just went past me because I just kind of <laughs> I just winced and didn't even look. So you're right. I want to give uh, a, a an, an anti Orenzento to Major Barrett because on Star Trek she never had very difficult lines and there weren't a lot of them unfortunately she didn't get to be in the show very much but on here JMS gave her some pretty tough stuff to say she on had some... next generation on next generation oh she, she plays she, yeah she plays uh, Laxana Troy's mother Troy's mom and yeah she completely chews the scenery and hams it up and I was I was worried that she would bring that character uh-huh. and that acting style to Babylon 5, and she didn't. And thank goodness for that. I, I love her character in Next Generation, but, man, she would have she <laughs> would have outdone Malari as, as far as haming it up. It would have been – it would have been – it might have been fun to watch, but uh, I, I think this served the story much better. We needed that version of her with Jane Lee's Lando. <laughs> 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 they would have had a good time. All right, so we are to the most Babylon 5 scene. Uh, for me, it was when uh, Jakar was talking to Talon, and he was discussing everything that he, he – the revelation that he had while he was you know, meditating in prison. Mm. And the one line that, that did it for me that, that just summed up this, this, the series was, humanity is the key, and we must all work together to turn it. They yeah. are the key to our salvation. Yeah. And it's it's interesting how the first couple of seasons, Jakar was 110%. We're going to destroy the Centauri and have our own great empire, yay us. Right. And he, after after his letter from a Babylon jail, <laughs> he's no longer that character. He's a totally different person right. now. Right. He, he wrote a book about his struggle. Well, well, I, I I don't want to conflate letter from a Birmingham jail and my struggle. Okay, let's just don't even. Yeah, let's let's. Uh, I think first yeah, season, was... first season, Jakar would have written my struggle. Right. Third. And it was fast. Right. <laughs> it was fascinating how he was all about the self sacrifice, and we have to do this to save the the you know to save our galaxy. We, you know, if if we gotta, if we all end up dying for this, then that's the price we gotta pay. Whereas, like you said, first first season Jakar would have been like, nope, we're taking everybody down with us. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Um, my most Babylon Five scene is well, I think my winner is at the very end because that's the scene out of this episode that always kind of stays with me and haunts me. Is they've resolved everything, they've kind of won in the short term, but it's very much a short term seeming win right think about this andy all of season one was sinclair getting in trouble with earth and finding a clever way to get out of it so at the end of every first season episode pretty much we're like ah old jeff has outsmarted him again haha we're good this episode they found a loophole and kind of outsmarted earth for the moment but you but there's this is the first time i think 
that there's absolutely no sense of we're good until the next crisis. This time it feels like you dodged the first bullet, but there's five more bullets about to come your way. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And and Garibaldi conveys that very well. The the one scene with Zach um, when he goes down there and he goes, I, for, I forget his his exact words. Uh Something about uh, I'm going in there and I got hell coming right behind me or something like that. I mean, there that you get the sense that everybody is completely freaking out over this. I mean, oh yeah, th- this is this is bad news happening and they're just bare. They're doing the bare minimum survival right now. I mean, they're, the, they're doing everything just for the moment, right, just for the moment. Yeah, just right. And and that that's hammered home by you know the Alexander escapes, but only after five the five cruisers you know that sided with the Alexander mm. get destroyed. So, yeah. And, yeah. and and that takes me to my scene, which is at the very end where um, I think it's, a, I, I didn't write down the names. I think Ivanova says they'll be coming for us next. And Sheridan yeah. says, I know. And I remember seeing that and just being like the first time. Right. And I was just like back on the floor, like, Oh my gosh, there's no, I was thinking there's no way out of this. I have no idea what's going to happen next episode because right. There's no getting out of this. They have just arrested their own security staff who was obeying the president on a right. technicality. They've arrested them on a technicality. Leg- it's a legitimate point, right? They they did it legitimately, but I don't think that even ultimately matters. I think right. that because whether you whether you did it legitimately or not, they're coming for us next. I know. Yep. I mean, and you didn't boy, even have to come up with a pretext for arresting them because it doesn't matter. They're coming. Yeah. And they, they come pretty hard. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah. So that was my most Babylon 5 scene just because it kind of highlighted how everything is led up to this moment on, as far as Earth. Yeah. Um, the other great Babylon 5 scene was the right stuff scene where the <laughs> command staff is walking down the hallway in slow motion. Yeah. I, I guess it's the I have the Babylon Five blooper tape. Yeah, <laughs> and I was just it's about like to mention that. yeah. When they finish that scene, she, uh, Box Lightner's like, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. You know, so that was really cool. Um, and then of course the prophecy from Lady Morella is a very Babylon Five thing, right? Any kind of prophecy yes. and future thing is Babylon Five. So we got to mention. And it. I found it fascinating that JMS told us. I mean, everything that he said there. Oh yeah. I mean, we'll 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 cover this and we're about he even to. said, you know, he was discussing this. He goes, "I love being able to tell the audience how things are going to turn out without telling them in any meaningful way how <laughs> everything is going to turn out." He goes, "This this drove people crazy cuz nobody could figure this out." <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least it at least it wasn't like a bird standing on the shoulder and the man in the, <laughs> right. the man in between is look coming right. for you or something, whatever. You are yeah, the hand. Have- I am the they hand. Have, <laughs> they have they have refined their uh, their soothsaying <laughs> by this point. You are the hand. I love Ivanova. Was just like what? Um, <laughs> speaking of, what is your favorite character moment this episode? My favorite character moment was when Garibaldi marched down there and confronted the Night Watch. I thought that was just an amazing scene. And. Oh. Kudos to to Jerry Doyle. I mean, yes. my God, he was he was a, a, a financial planner <laughs> until like the week before the the series started filming, and this dude went down there and it was a tour de force. I mean, he mm-hmm. acted his butt off and sold that 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 scene. It was it was amazing, and I loved it. 
He really did. Yeah. I mean, and you you keep wanting to tell him, Michael, is, there's no point in going down there, but he... And, and Sheridan tried to stop him. And I think right. you know, Sheridan could have stopped him. But I think Sheridan's just kind of like, you know, he's just got to go find out for himself. Right. Sh- and, and that was Garibaldi's character to a T. I mean, mm-hmm. the, he, he is hot-headed and it has gotten him in trouble in the past and it will get him in trouble in the future. But by golly, he's going to do what he's going to do. Yep. Yeah. He just, I think Sheridan's like, yeah, just let him find out for himself. He's, yeah. We'll see what happens. Shake it up. All right. My favorite character moment. I've been laughing about this for 10 minutes now every time I think about it. <laughs> Jakar being sneaky. I can't get enough of sneaky Jakar. We don't get it very often, right? Usually he's very bombastic and out in the open, but every now and then he likes to sneak around and try to be unobtrusive, and he just can't. No, so, not, with that, not with that costume. <laughs> oh, God. He goes on the bridge to talk to Ivanova. And I love when the lady walks past and he stops talking and turns and looks at her. <laughs> and then I just everything about the way he plays that just makes me fall on the floor yeah. laughing. It's so good. Yeah. He's so good. That whole it, so yeah. That whole scene when when he walks in, you you just see his boots come in first. Yes. And then they pan up. So you see, I mean, there is nothing, you know, uh, there's nothing subtle about him. So yeah, that that was a, a great scene. Man, man, yeah, and um. Putting him with Ivanova, who's also so can be so funny. The thing about the thing about uh, about Jakar is he can be in a scene that just rips your heart out with emotion and passion and loss, and then turn around and be sneaky Jakar, eyeballing the security lady or whatever. It, on a dime, he can turn. You know, it's right. just it's really uh, it's really remarkable. So. And it's yeah, it's all believable as part of that character. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it it makes you know it, it all flows together. So yeah, it, it is remarkable. I don't know if if that's the writing or the acting or a combination of both, but yeah, it, it works so well. Yeah, so good. All right, what was your funniest? That <laughs> there were a lot of there were a surprising number of funny moments in this episode, and that was one of them. But it wasn't the one I actually put down. What was your funniest moment? My, I had one that that's got the. Or actually, I have two, but they it deals with both the, the same characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the very beginning, when yep. um, Veer yep. is, is writing his report, and there's a line in there where Londa looks at him and says, "What does intelligence have to do with politics?" <laughs> that was yep. a classic line. And there then that is. whole scene there at the end with them sitting on the couch together was just that. That one's just drop dead funny. That that's a good scene. Yeah, I had. Uh... The same thing because I it did it did this is the first time it ever dawned on me that this episode starts with Londo and Veer bickering and it ends more or less with Londo and Veer bickering. Right. Because again, this seems like the Night Watch human episode, and yet it's bookended by Londo and Veer doing wacky stuff. Right. I lord they're in. I lord they're in. It it was hilarious that they went back. They did the same gimmick of him going over Veer's report about uh, Minbar. But yeah. it was entirely different, and it was yeah. still funny. <laughs> you know, yeah, I was, was going to say. It just goes to show that he, when I, when that first, because that was the first thing, I'm like, wait a minute, did I pull up the wrong episode? Didn't, wasn't this just a couple episodes ago? That's what I was going to ask I, you. Yeah, it, 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 it was, it was different things that he was switching up. Because I had so to he, rewind it and replay it. I checked, I checked my, 
my uh, episode list. I'm like, yeah, this is the right episode. And then, but then I paid more attention the second time around, and he does uh, change different things than what he, he did the first time around. And it was equally funny. So he, they, yeah, they did do this before, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I was just like a couple episodes ago. I know. I was why I was so confused, but I just couldn't believe they did it twice. Why did they do it twice? Right. That's so weird. But yeah, it, but it was funny. I, I love editing. Editing humor is funny. I'm an editor, and I, I appreciate editing humor. That's funny. Um, yeah, so that was my funniest. But honestly, in retrospect, I might say that Jakar being sneaky is not only my favorite character moment, but, my, but the funny funniest moment to me, too, just because it's, I've been laughing about it for 15 minutes now. God, it's just so funny, Jakar sneaking well, around. All right. We'll who, allow that. Here we go. And this is I, I think this is a tough one. I'm curious to see what you say. Who won this episode? You know, this one was so easy for me. It just jumped right out at me when I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh, obvious. It was Jakar. Jakar, wow. he... He got everything he wanted. He got let in on the conspiracy. He, he got the the Narns. He got out of jail. You know, he 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 mm-hmm. got with Talon. Uh, they they set up the they got the Narns to do the security. Everything that he wanted to do got done, and he, he moved himself forward and up in the the uh, into the, the 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 big movers and shakers of, of Babylon Five, the station. So, I thought that he was the clear winner. I'll tell you this, if you are able to write an entire book in peace and quiet while you're in jail on Babylon 5, I'm going to go to Babylon 5 and commit some crime, beat up an ambassador. Because <laughs> I would love no a few kidding. weeks of peace and quiet to write a book. Oh my gosh, I can no only kidding. dream of well, one, dream. one of my friends today, I'm sorry, this is a writing thing, you can edit this out if you have to, but I saw one of my friends on Facebook today saying that he sat down and had a pretty decent day of writing. He only knocked out 5,000 words today, but it was a good 5,000 words. I'm like, 5,000 words? That takes me a week to do that much. <laughs> when, I, when people leave me alone for a day, I can do five to 10,000 words in a day. Holy crap. That's but I, my, never, my maximum, I never get that. My Remember? Ma- yeah, right. Well, my maximum was 3,000. 3, I was so psyched i got three thousand that was like a 10 hour day of completely ignoring my family <laughs> yes no i i type very fast and i can I, 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 but i have to have it all planned out i bear in mind i wrote vegas heist which is about sixty five thousand words short novel i wrote it in about two and a half weeks so holy cow yeah so but um but being able to be like locked up in there with your writing instruments and stuff i guess you have to write it on paper with with ink even in 23rd century that would kind of suck i don't want to have to handwrite it but you know surely they let you have your ipad it's funny that you and i both both picked up on that (laughs) like (laughs) oh man that would be that would be awesome to be in isolation for three weeks with only a book to write (laughs) lock me up man no doubt um all right so i you know i said the command staff won the episode because they were able to get out of the uh, the Night Watch's clutches, but then again, they think they're about to all be arrested in the next episode, and we'll see how that goes. Right. I, you know, I said that Zach won this episode because he made that's up his legit. mind and went with the right way. You know. Yeah, that's totally legit. And I, and then my third one, I had the Narns, but I think you're right that Jakar kind of and the Narns together kind of won. So, is a little all a little around. I think that the. Uh, the loser of this episode was Nightwatch, and that's always a good thing. And security guard number right. one. And he's the big loser because we never even learned his name. Right. <laughs> General General Haig would be another big time loser because oh. he tried to he tried to, to rally the forces and got his butt beat. Well, 
I wonder if he'll show up on Babylon 5. We'll see. We'll see. We got to rate it. We've got to rate it. Yeah, you go first. Me? All right. I'm willing. (laughs) I wrestled with this one, and I'll say this. I think I would have rated this one higher if I hadn't seen it so many times and the surprises (laughs) were no longer surprises. So I was seeing other things. I'm rating it on the low end of my scale of where I could rate it, but I'm willing to be persuaded. I gave this one a 4.0. I I totally agree. I, okay. I totally agree. It was it was a momentous episode, um, and it certainly had great moments and very well acted. And I I thought about giving it a 4.5 or even mm-hmm. a, a, a five, but um, I I just couldn't do it. I something said eh, it was it was great. But I, maybe it's because I'm just so darn spoiled. I know what's coming. Exactly. But that's I, it. I, it. It just, it didn't it didn't bowl me over like it did the first time. I remember watching this the first time yes. on TV, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, yes. who, what is my head was spinning? I'm like, what? Where are they going to go from here? What's going to happen next? And how are they going to get out of this? Yeah. Um, but, I had no but idea. This time, yeah. This time, knowing the full arc, I'm mm-hmm. I, I still enjoyed it because of everything yes. that happened. Um, but it, it didn't bowl me over quite as much as the first time. But a 4.0 is still pretty solid. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and my note was, it again, A, I've seen it so many times, because I've gone back and right. watched this trilogy a few times, and then B, <clears throat> knowing that this only temporarily resolves the issue, it doesn't solve it. This was not the climactic episode of anything. This was right. like the middle chapter of a story. This is like the two towers. This is the Empire Strikes Back. And so... right. You, you still got the resolution to come. And it's, it's hard for me to give the middle chapter of anything a perfect score knowing that it hasn't resolved the situation. Right. It and sets it up. this was only a small piece to the situation. It didn't deal with the larger war that, that's going to happen. Right, right, right. That's true. That's right. This is more about the Earth War than it is about the Shadow right. War. Right, right. All right, I, I noted, yeah, we, we, yeah, I said this is the biggest jeopardy they've been in yet on the show. We were used to Sinclair finding ways out of things like this when they were not as severe, but clearly this is another matter entirely. I honestly had no idea what was going to happen the next episode. I remember thinking, they are done. They are screwed. That's it. They're done. I had no idea. So, whew, we've got a few patron comments and uh, before we get to the end questions, and we have our spoiler space coming up, but before we do that, let me just quickly thank our patrons. These are the folks that keep this show on the air, and uh, Andy and I are going to record a special thing just for the patrons at first, at least for the first several months or whatever, uh, where we do our Babylon 5 collectible card game game, and we're going to record that, and we'll put it up on the Patreon page for our patrons, and you can join their ranks. Go to wwwb 5 review Com. I'm sure that you and I will talk about it next next episode, but we'll, you can actually witness us trying it. And don't let me forget to film it and record it so that we can do that. All right. I'll, I'll be all thinking about the game and be like, oh, we were supposed to record this with the patrons. <laughs> Dang, man. Go back and do it again. Um, you can see Andy, who's never played the game before, probably beat the crap out of me who played it for years. I'm, I'm sure that's how it's going to go because I'm terrible at games. I love games, but I'm terrible at them. Uh, www.b5review.com www.b5review.com click on the button that says become a patron or just go to patreon.com and search for White Rocket Babylon 5 that's all I think it's White Rocket Reviews Babylon yeah White Rocket Reviews yes because I figured that one day we'll run out of Babylon 5 and have to review something else but for right now it's all Babylon 5 (laughs) 
All right. Um, we have to thank our patrons. They include... Oops, I hit the wrong button. Ah, oh, I hit the wrong button again. Hold on. Sorry, gang. I had it all set and I messed it up. They include Allison Rich, EJ Alexander, Leah G, Rich Hammett, his arms wide, Colonel Dad, Emmanuel Seaman, Michael O'Connor, Stu Parker, Comrade Sheridan, Heather and Yancey Steingraber, Ice Cream Clone, and Michael Halbrook. We thank you all so very, very much. And here are a few feedback comments we got on the Patreon page. Colonel Dad said, Andy's wife is right. That alien is gross. That would be from Exogenesis. <laughs> Disgusting and scary. That multi-legged thing reminds me of the Tingler from an old 1950s horror movie by the same name. I had yep. nightmares for weeks. Thanks, JMS, for helping relive my childhood and not in a good way. And he puts a, puts a winky. <laughs> so I appreciate that from Colonel Dad. And your wife gets a I, shout out there, so that's cool. She does. Yep. I Scream Clone says, loving the podcast, Van and Andy. That's awesome. I thought I would share this little tidbit. My 12-year-old son asked me about Babylon 5 one evening and wanted to watch some episodes to see if he liked it. I decided the best way to present B5 was to show him the Holy Trinity of episodes. Needless to say, I got him hooked. I'm assuming the Holy Trinity would be the three that we are in the middle of right now. I'm, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess. Uh, needless to say, I got him hooked. Awesome. Always happy to hear about that. Uh, Allison, our good, our good dear supporter, Allison Rich says the Vendrizi are pretty disgusting, but their purpose as was revealed was really interesting. Too bad. They had to be parasitic to fulfill their purposes. Their purpose reminded me of the reasons why Sinclair said why we had to go into space, right? Wasn't it to preserve everything that we have and to keep getting it all. Yeah. So that's right. That's legit. I like yeah, that. I, uh, yeah. We talked about that last episode. I thought that was a really cool twist. Mm-hmm. And a very JMS twist, too. Um, yes. Ice Cream Clone says, My nickname is from the Lego building exploits. Kind of a play on clone Lego products, as well as all the teenagers in the hobby with the clone in their names. Um, he said, The Vendrizzi episode did flesh out more on Marcus, so I still like to rewatch it each time I go back to season three. We talked about that, that it was a good Marcus episode. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And... Oh, and then finally, and this is a really important vote we got here from one of our patrons. Allison says, I vote no on a redo of the launch episode. And to, to recap, last episode I asked if we should go back and re-record the gathering and the first couple of episodes because I thought that we kind of didn't have our formula that we have now. And I worry that we lose listeners that don't come back for the second episode where we kind of settled into our formula. And you said we sh probably shouldn't, and Allison says we shouldn't. She says, you can't redo history, it's an artifact, and you are both very charming. Aw, thank you, Allison. That's that awesome. Great? That is. It, you know, when we're done and we do a complete wrap on, the, on this series, I wouldn't mind going back and re-watching that as like a bonus episode. Yeah. And just, and, and just reflecting on everything... In, in there, having just rewatched the entire series. I think that might be kind of interesting. I think it would, too. Let's keep that in mind. I, I guess then all what I was wanting to do was more just like do a better job of drawing in listeners so we would get more listeners and not turn people off. But, you know, as a writer, I've always found that the first books in any series, whether they're ones I write or that I read of somebody else's, the first books are usually the ones where the writer is still trying to kind of get his feet under him. 
and they're right. a little more clumsy than the later books where you got the formula down. Right. So Absolutely. I guess I'll just trust that people will hang around and give us two or three episodes well, to decide if they like it. I think our charming personalities sell it. <laughs> God, Lord help us. <laughs> help our listeners. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, I appreciate the uh, – and these are just what the patrons have been commenting on, and I just copy them off of there because I think they're interesting and they're good. And I hope that uh, – and I appreciate our patrons doing that, and I would encourage them to continue giving us some good comments. And, again, if you want to leave comments and make sure they get on the show, just become a patron. And uh, leave comments on the Patreon page, and I go in and check them every week and uh, put them onto our show notes. So there we go. And I love hearing those comments. And I need to, to add for all of our listeners who are thinking of becoming patrons, um, Van was lamenting earlier how nobody is really doing anything fun and exciting with their names on Patreon. That uh, <laughs> we should have patrons with long, longer, more exciting names. So if, uh, if you want to become a, a, a patron, then please keep that in mind. Dang it. <laughs> yeah, on our on the on the football show that John Ringer and I do, they we have like at this point like twelve people with really long names I have to read on purpose. They do that on purpose just to make me have to read these really <laughs> long names. And then they'll actually put requests for various sound effects on my soundboard as their name too. So it's gotten to where when I read the names of our patrons on the football show, it's a circus. It's a zoo. It's absolutely insane. So there you go. But yeah. Thanks a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> Our next installment will only cover one episode again, and that will be episode 310, Severed Dr- I can't believe we're finally to Severed Dreams. Yeah, that's a gooder one. Man, that's going to be something. Well, jump gate activated. All right, we have jumped through to spoiler space for a little quick talk on anything that we didn't want to say during the actual show. I didn't have a lot written down, but you mentioned something a minute ago. So what 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 we need to talk about? Uh, Lady Morella's prophecy, and you mentioned this that the the only part that you didn't get because we we got the second part. You must not kill the one who's already dead. That's obviously Sheridan because Sheridan yes. dies. Yes, and then comes back. This is some major spoilers. Spoilers, space. <laughs> right, right. I think if they made it to this side, that they uh, that, eject, that they eject. <laughs> <laughs> the third one is uh, he must surrender himself to his greatest fear, knowing that it will destroy him. Yeah, that's that's Jakar. when he, he gives himself to Jakar to yep. allow Jakar to kill him to save Centauri Prime. And the first one is the one that you questioned, where it's the eye that cannot see, or uh, he must save the eye that does not see. Yeah. that That is a little play on words. Um, the eye isn't E-Y-E. It's the letter I. All right. So I he has to, he save, has to himself. save himself. Right. Because he doesn't see. He's blind. Right. To, all right. I have read that interpretation, but I don't know that I 100% buy it. I think it's one of those things where JMS says, I'm smarter than I thought I was. I didn't even think of that until after the fact. I'm not going to 100% buy that. And, and I, I, I initially thought that too, but then I remembered the, uh, the episode Eyes where he did that same play on words. He did. The eyes and the eyes, and yeah. So, that's true. But see, there's two yeah. other candidates. There's the eye that's the jewel, though I think that's kind of a red herring. Uh-huh. And and then there's don't let Jakar get killed. Right. That That's what I I initially thought was, uh, oh, she's talking about Jakar. But mm. that's not saving the eye that cannot see because he can still see. Yeah. 
just he, he just doesn't have depth perception. She didn't say save the dude without depth perception. <laughs> With two different two different color right. eyes later. Right, right. Um all interesting. Right. Interesting, fair enough. Th- that's my input. Um okay. So I think we're agreed on the on the others though. And does do you think Londo does any of those? I think he does all three of those. Ultimately, he does. I think. Okay. I mean, he does. He he, he does give him. I mean, he th- there towards the end when he lets Jakar, you know, strangle he's, him. He's trying to. He ends up fighting right. back when the keeper wakes up. But right, right. But Londo. Londo, himself, right? Yes. He 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 finally realizes what he has to do. So That's yeah, I, I think I I think he had a a bit of redemption. The Londo did eventually. So definitely saved yeah, Sheridan. I, I think he did. He definitely saved Sheridan, and he yeah. definitely, you know, I guess he kind of saves Jakar or or himself, whichever yeah. way you want to look at it. Yeah. So there you go. That's so, good. That's a good yeah. point. So yeah, ultimately he does kind of redeem himself even in death. Right. And yeah. it's, it it is, and that's what makes his a character arc so tragic is that he does have to die in order to redeem himself. Yeah, and that's going to lead us into the novels, which we're going to have an interesting time talking about. I guess we'll do like one novel per episode or something, and. And allow ourselves time to read them again because it's been a long time since I read them. But that'll still yeah. be a way down the line. That's probably another year, year and a half to go before we get to those. Right. I, I, I imagine that we're going to be doing more of these one per one episodes uh, before this season is over, and certainly the beginning of next season. So it'll be a right. while before we get to For the sure. end. And then we got Crusade and other stuff. Um, yeah. Okay. Was there season any other spot? Five might be. Yeah, see, <laughs> five might be one we might, yeah, I'll say we could do, we could knock season five out pretty quick there and catch back up to our schedule. There's no doubt about that. There's a, there's a few, right? I mean, there's, we're going to have a good time talking about day of the dead, I think. And, uh, and a couple right. others, but, uh, but yeah, for right. the most part. All right. Any other, I can't think of any other spoiler stuff that I really want to get into right now. We'll certainly have plenty next week. Right. For sure. I guess right now, Delin is on the way. To the Minbari flagship, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's oh god, one of my favorite scenes of all time. Yes, and then when she arrives, oh, yeah. we're, we're going to have a lot of fun in two weeks trying to come up with the most Babylon Five scene and the best best character <laughs> moment. All. I don't even want to think about. God, it's going to be like every category is going to be the whole episode, the whole episode, the whole episode. Right. <laughs> oh, and you man. know, I. I watch these episodes twice. I watch it just to, to get my gut reaction. Then I watch it again to take more detailed notes. And some, for some of these, I'm I, I'm just like, I was like, me, do I have to watch this one again? <laughs> but the, this one, go, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna love watching this one twice because it's so I, freaking awesome. I've watched it so many times. I'm gonna have to really try hard to kind of see it through original eyes again. But <laughs> right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get my wife to watch it with me once just so I can get her reactions. And it is such an awesome oh. episode. If any episode clicks with her, it's going to be this one. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to give it a shot. And then, and then Sleeping well, in Light. I, I get, see if you get your wife to watch Sleeping in Light because I want to see what she says about yeah. that one too. But we got a ways to go yet All right. on that. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. you know what? We got a good hour out of this one. I, I wasn't sure we wouldn't go 20 minutes, but there was plenty to talk about here. There was a lot to talk about here. There definitely was. This was a meaty episode. This was big. All right, we're going to get on out of here. Any final thoughts before we head off for the next uh, for for our no, rendezvous I, I, with the Sever Dreams? I it was uh, it was as always a lot of fun to just hang out on my couch and talk Babylon Five with you. So that's and, that's a good time. And I'll see you in a couple of days. 
Yes, that's going to be so much fun. I'm very excited awesome. for that. We will have video and audio for the patrons immediately. Maybe a little teaser stuff for our regular listeners as well. All right, Babylon 5, the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. We'll get out of here for another episode. We will see you guys in two weeks or thereabouts, uh, plus the bonus stuff coming up from Chicago. Bye-bye. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.